Hey, my friends, welcome to the Grace to Grow podcast. I am Crystal Ward, and we help busy people like you and me grow in our relationship with God today with just a few simple steps. I hope today's message helps you, that it encourages you, and most of all, that it leads you closer to Jesus. Check this out. Everybody ready to go into the word? All right, let's go to Leviticus 25. Yeah, we're going to, oh, she going Leviticus. <laughs> Do you hear that? She ain't playing around. She's going Leviticus. That's right. Did y'all come to hear the word or not? I know y'all came to have fun with your friends too, but might as well get a little word in there. No, as I was praying over this event, oh my goodness, I really feel like, um, I've been praying for you guys. The team's been praying for you guys. And I feel like the Lord has something very specific to share with you tonight. And I want you to receive. Amen? Amen. So let's read Leviticus 25. We're going to start in verse 10. And then we're going to skip down to 53. It says, And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty. Everybody say liberty. Throughout all the land and all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his possession. Each of you shall return to his family. Then we're going to skip down to verse 53. It says, he shall be with him as a yearly hired servant. Okay, this portion is talking about a slave. See, in, in, in ancient Israel, if you couldn't pay back your debts, then you would become a slave. And you would work off your debts. And you would be a slave until all of your debts were paid. But God created something called the year of Jubilee. And he says in verse 54, if that slave is not redeemed in all of those years, they can't pay back their debts, then in the year of Jubilee, he shall be released, he and his children with him. For the children of Israel are servants to me. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So the title of tonight's message is 2021, the year of Jubilee. Come on. The year of Jubilee after the 2020 that we had. Let's get ready to pray and let's get our hearts ready to receive what the Lord wants to do. Father, I thank you for every, every person in this house, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray the Spirit of God on all of us, myself included. I pray open hearts to receive what you have. We want you, Jesus, and we want you what you have for us tonight, Father. Lord, in Jesus' name, we take authority, Father, over all the work of the enemy in the name of Jesus. He is canceled in Jesus' name. We take authority over this space, Father. We say that it is yours, and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, if you would go ahead and put up that second picture of my family. Here we are, Snowmageddon last month. That's why I like to call it Snowmageddon 21, 2021. And so this is my beautiful family. Now, a lot of you guys know me, but you may not know all of my story. We all have a story, right? And we don't always share that story freely, right? 
And this story that I'm going to share with you guys, I did not share for many years. The only people that knew this story were those that were in the battle with me and helping me pray and helping me fight. But you see that little boy in that picture? Isn't he beautiful? That's Evan. Everybody say Evan. When Evan was four months old, now imagine a four-month-old and how big that is, right? Four months old. Well, my children were more like four months old. <laughs> Evan had a reaction to some medication that caused him to have seizures. And not only did he have one seizure, two seizures, three seizures, in the course of one month, he had over 70 conservatively seizures, my four-month-old. He would have a seizure after waking from sleep. He would have a seizure sometimes in the middle of his sleep, in the middle of the night. He was having multiple kinds of seizures. It was by far the hardest thing I had ever gone through in my whole life. Right? Sometimes people are going through things and they're hurting and we don't even know. Right? And so we're talking about peace in the chaos tonight. And I want to share my story. And as, as we talk about the word, as we talk about peace in the chaos tonight, here's what I want you to know, that I have lived, I have lived this sermon tonight, okay? It's not just some pretty study I found, you know, doing Bible study one day. This is literally out of my life, okay? So I want to share that story with you and some of the things that um, God has done for me and has done for my family. So we just read a passage about the year of Jubilee, right? Everybody say Jubilee. Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, there's three things that happened. It only happened every 50 years, once in a lifetime, right? The first thing that happened in the year of Jubilee is that all debts were canceled. Come on, y'all should have been doing like a, like a Jericho march or, I don't know, Holy Ghost dance or something. All debts canceled. Can you imagine? The second thing that happened in the year of Jubilee were all slaves would be released. Our slaves that were slaves because of debt, they would be released and they would go free. And then the third thing that would happen is all property would return back to its original owner. So you could sell property, but in the year of Jubilee, all of that property went back to its original owner. That's a pretty incredible thing, right? I want to read you um, about the year of Jubilee from the, from the New Living Translation. It might not be up on the screen because, you know, I just made a quick decision to do that. We do that sometimes, right? We change our minds? All right. So if it doesn't go up on the screen, just listen. That's fine. Verse 10. Well, let's read verse 9. Then on the day of atonement in the 50th year, blow the ram's horn long and loud throughout the land. Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you. We're declaring that over 2021. When each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. We're going to skip down to verse 54. If any Israelite has not been bought back, or slaves, right, has not been bought back by the time of the year of Jubilee arrives, they and their children must be set free at that time. For the people of Israel belong to me, says the Lord. They are my servants whom I 
brought out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Amen? And so, so I want to read you another passage from the New Testament. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read it on my screen here because it's New King James Version. Now, this is Jesus talking. And it says, when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as, well, that's kind of, I've been brought up here. Didn't even think about that. That's kind of cool. And as his custom was, okay, just catch this. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I cannot preach this rabbit trail. But scripture says, as his custom was, he was in the synagogue or the church of that time on the Sabbath day. Okay, I'm just going to leave that there. And he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus is saying. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Does that sound familiar? And recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's Jubilee. Then he closed the book. I love this. So dramatic. He closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and all of the eyes who were there in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was quoting a passage from Isaiah that had been written over 500 years before he was born. And that passage in Isaiah, it's from Isaiah 61, is actually talking about the year of Jubilee. So when Jesus did that, he's saying, today, in me, Jubilee is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus fulfills Jubilee. Amen? We're going to talk a little bit more about that, and we're going to explain how he fulfilled Jubilee. But I want to share, continue to share pieces of my story. So um, after the seizures, Evan's seizures subsided, he hasn't had another seizure, guys. Once they stopped, he's now five and a half years old. He has never, that we know of, had another seizure in this entire time. Come on, y'all, you need to give Jesus praise for that. He is a growing, active, slightly annoying little boy who has his mama's heart, right? So Jesus healed him. He is whole and well and wonderful. But I was a little bit of a different story. Mama took a lot longer to heal than Jesus did. Can you imagine? Right? I lived in almost constant fear for years. Years. I would take the, because he had seizures when he was waking up from sleep, I would take the baby monitor, right, to check on him while he was sleeping. And every single time I picked up the baby monitor, I thought he was going to be having a seizure. For years. He still has a baby monitor in his room, by the way. But <laughs> it's not so that I can keep watch on him 24-7. But for a while, it was. Right? I would sit in the car, and I would look in the rearview mirror to check on him. 
And I felt like for years, every time I looked in that mirror, I was going to see him having a seizure. Isn't that awful? So if you're struggling with anxiety tonight, if you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with stress, if you're struggling with worry, if you're struggling with depression, heaviness, fill in the blank. I'm telling you, I have felt it, right? And we're going to talk about what the Lord has to say about those things tonight. And we're going to announce jubilee over those things. All right, so let's look at Luke chapter 4 again. But this time, I pulled a Sister Carol. This time, I took some key words in that passage, and I replaced them with the Greek definitions for those words. So, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, the New Testament's written in Greek, and their language is a little bit different than our language. Our language is very concrete and finite. But Hebrew and Greek is just a much larger language. And so you can really get a lot of understanding when you break it down in the definitions. So I did it for you. You don't have to do it. But let's look up on the screen. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to announce the good news to those who are crouched down. Get that picture. To those who are crouched down. Jesus says, I'm announcing good news to those people. He says, he sent me to cure those whose hearts are crushed completely, to send forth freedom to prisoners of war. We're going to come back to that. And restoration of sight to those whose eyes are enveloped with smoke. See, when we're under heavy oppression from the enemy, we can't see clearly. You may see clearly in the physical, but you're not going to see clearly in the spiritual. And as long as that attack of the enemy is on us, that heaviness, that anxiety, that oppression, our eyes are enveloped with smoke until it is removed. Does that make sense? There's a lot of that happening in our world today, guys. There's a lot of people that are not seeing rightly according to truth. And it's because of the work of the enemy. And it's even in the church. And Jesus says... In 2021, enough is enough. That is enough for my children. And he's announcing jubilee. Amen. To herald, to herald the approved and favorable year of the Lord. That's jubilee. And then he says, and then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled, crammed down, leveled up, furnished, satisfied, executed, finished, and verified in your healing. Get what he's saying. Come on. Get what Jesus is saying. Debts forgiven, right? Slaves go free. Property back to its rightful owner. And today... In me, not me, but Jesus, today, this verse is fulfilled, crammed up, leveled up, furnished, satisfied, executed, finished, and verified in your hearing. Jesus fulfilled jubilee. Amen? Let's talk about how he did that. Number one, let's look at debts erased. How did Jesus erase debts? Let's look at Colossians chapter 2. 
We're going to start in verse 11. It says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. This is the Apostle Paul talking, talking to the people in Colossians. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. This is the best part. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of your sins. Verse 14. He canceled the record of charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it on the cross. Every single one of us has fallen short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us, there's none without sin, right? And that debt of sin is a debt that we could never repay. You cannot pay for your own sin because then if you're trying to pay for your own sin, you're only paying for your, how do I explain that? <laughs> the only one that can pay for sin is the one that didn't deserve it. We all deserved punishment for sin, so therefore we couldn't pay it. The only one that can pay the debt of sin was the one who never sinned, was the one who didn't deserve it, right? And so scripture says every single one of us has a debt that we owe of sin. But Jesus, when he died on the cross, took that debt. You ever seen when you take out a loan? You get a loan book. Do we still do loan books? We still do loan books? No? Well, I did. It's been a while for me. I had a loan book when I bought my first car. And boy, let me tell you, when I tore out the last page of that loan book and I paid that note off, whoo, talk about a Holy Ghost revival service. That was my first car. I paid it all by myself, the whole, the, all the notes at 17 years old. And I was happy, I think, Mom. You probably paid some of it, but, but it's all going to me today. Jesus took the debt of our sin, and that note said canceled on it. It said zero balance, and he nailed it to the cross. So if you're struggling with things that you've done in your life, accept Jesus into your life. It's a debt that you cannot repay ever, but Jesus already did, and all of those debts are canceled. Amen? So now Romans 8.1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Condemnation is an adverse sentence or an adverse judgment on your life. Whenever we come under condemnation, there is actually a spirit of condemnation, and it is not from God. Because Romans 8.1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The way condemnation works is it, it nicks at you, and it constantly makes you feel less than. It makes you feel like a failure. It makes you feel not good enough. It reminds you of things in your past, and it's like this all the time, right? 
But Jesus says there's now therefore no condemnation. Why? Because the balance is zero. It's all erased. Behold, all things become new. Amen? Amen. So I have come under condemnation in my life. And let's attach it back to the story with Evan. When Evan started having seizures, it was me that took him to get that medication. I was the one that presented him to the nurses to receive the shot that he received. And so a lot of condemnation came my way because I felt like I did it. And it was my fault. And I knew it wasn't my fault, but it still felt like if I only hadn't have done that, right? But now I can stand up and say, no, no, no. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So devil, you shut your mouth in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can do the same too. Let's keep going. All right. Let's look at number two, slaves freed. Now I'm going to put that little passage up from Luke chapter 4 where we subbed in the definitions. Luke 4, 18. It said, remember we put the definitions in there, right? It said, to send forth freedom to the prisoners of war. What does that mean? The prisoners of war. See, Satan is at war with God's kingdom. The entire reason why he attacks the children of God is to keep the kingdom from advancing forward. He is at war with the children of God and the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, I came to send forth freedom to prisoners of war. So what Satan would like to do in our life is he would like to shackle us and bind us with chains like fear, with chains like worry, like doubt, like depression, like anxiety, like um, fear of failure, all of these things. And he wants to shackle us with these things in our life to keep us from advancing the kingdom of God forward. But Jesus came to send forth freedom to prisoners of war. And so for me, I had a process in my life where the Lord was healing my mind. It wasn't an instant thing for me. There is instant deliverance. There is instant healing. But sometimes healing and deliverance is a process. There is instant deliverance and instant healing, but there is always a walking out your healing in your deliverance. God can touch you and break that thing off of you like that. But there is still a process that needs to happen in the natural where we walk out that healing and deliverance. And we're gonna talk about how to do that in just a second. And so for me, I had been in a process of healing and I came to a conference here at First Assembly. And the Lord had healed me, but I was still struggling with a lot of things. I was. I was being healed. That makes sense? And so the, the lady that was speaking that night, she had a son. She was telling a story about her son that was born with a very rare, deadly heart disease. And he was a small infant, and, and he had this disease, and the doctors told the mom that he's most likely not going to live. And so the speaker that night was telling the story about her son and she said, do you know what it looks like or what it feels like that every time you look at your son, you don't know if he's going to live? And I thought to myself, I kind of do. It's not exactly the same, but I kind of know what that feels like. And she said, do you know 
what kind of trauma happens in your mind when that happens. And I thought, I kind of do. I kind of get that. And so she gave a call, the altar call. And, and so I came down, and I was right about here. And God showed me while I was here in the altar. I don't even know if anybody prayed for me, honestly. God showed me that my mind had been traumatized through what I had gone through. You do have a natural brain. And sometimes it goes through trauma and things in your life. But guess what? Jesus was bruised so that we would be made whole. Right? And God touched me while I was answering that altar call. And I have never been the same, y'all. I'm telling you. Right here at First Assembly. I have never been the same. I still have to walk out my healing. I still have to walk that out, but I've never been the same. Let's look at again at Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to read just a little bit further than we did a minute ago, starting in verse 14. It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. The handwriting of ordinances are the charges that are against us, which was, excuse me, which was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, Jesus did, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15 is where we're going to concentrate on. And having spoiled principalities and powers, that's Satan and all demonic forces, they are real. And it says that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of them. Everybody say show. You're going to like that word in a minute. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So I did a Sister Carol thing again, and I dug down into those definitions. And it says that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. In the Greek, that word spoiled I'm going to wait for y'all are listening because after this, you're going to be listening. You're not, not that you're not listening, but you will not believe what this word means. It means to strip them down to their underwear. In East Texas, to strip the devil down to his drawers. That's what Jesus did to Satan on the cross. When Satan would want to strip us and expose us, Jesus took him and he triumphed over him and he stripped him down to his drawers on the cross. And it said that he made an open show of Satan. An open show is to parade him around. So he took him and he put him in his drawers and he paraded him around. When Satan would want us to be prisoners of war, Jesus made Satan a prisoner of war in his underwear and he paraded him around in a parade saying, look, look at you now. Look at you now. Amen. Oh, come on. Victory belongs to you and victory belongs to me in Jesus' name. Anxiety does not have the victory. Fear does not have the victory. Worry does not have the victory. Pain does not have the victory. Jesus is the victor. Amen. Verse num or number three. We're still talking about Jubilee and how Jesus fulfilled Jubilee. Number one, debts are erased on the cross. Number two, Slaves were freed when he stripped Satan down to his drawers. And then number three, land returned 
to rightful owners. What does that mean to the children of God? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20 to 22. It says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit on our hearts as the first installment that guarantees all he has promised to us. What that means is, as the adopted children of God, all of the promises of God in Scripture are yes and amen to you. What promise do you need tonight? Because scripture says, whatever you need, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. What is it? Your daddy God in heaven supplies every single thing you need. Every promise in the word of God belongs to you. Do you see how land returning back to their rightful owner? Property in the word of God are promises. And they have returned back to the children of God, the rightful owner in Jesus. So I was uh, doing a little Bible study with the kids the other day. We're going back to my, my story. And um, I was doing it with the girls and Evan was asleep. And we were learning about the day of Pentecost when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out and the believers first spoke in tongues. And so we were learning about that with just me and the girls. We were talking about it. And Evan woke up and he came and he joined our Bible study. Now he's five and a half now. Okay. And he's listening, and he goes, wait, 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 Mom. I was just reading from the Bible. Wait, 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 Mom, Mom. I think this is that story where the fire fell from heaven, and they spoke in other languages. Me and the, kid, me and the girls went, what? Who are you, kid? Right? And he does that often, not just about that story, about many stories in Scripture. The promises of God are for you. They're for your children, they're for your children's children, and they're for all those afar off. Amen? Amen. So, I'm going to give you real quick, walking in jubilee. See, we're going to pray in a minute. I believe the Lord's going to break off whatever you're struggling with. We've been fasting and we've been praying for you. And we want whatever you're coming with today to be gone in Jesus' name. That's jubilee, okay? But when you leave here, you're going to have to continue to walk in jubilee. When you break things off in the spiritual, they can be broken off like that because Jesus has all the power and all authority, right? But then there is such this thing called the flesh and the brain. And the flesh and the brain has to be told what to do. And so we're going to talk about how do you continue to walk in Jubilee. And we'll have to do it quickly because I have a big mouth and I talk too long. Number one, walk with God, not serpents. Walk with God, not serpents. In Genesis chapter 3, we won't read it right now. It's a pretty uh, well-known story. But Adam and Eve were in the garden. And they could eat from any of the trees in the garden except one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so Satan entered the serpent, and the serpent came and tempted them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And my question is, if they weren't supposed to be eating from that tree, why were they near it? And it says in that passage that the woman was convinced. That is one of the saddest phrases in the whole scripture to me. I'm serious. The woman 
was convinced by the lies the enemy was peddling. And can I tell you what the original lie really was? The original lie, and he's still peddling it today, that God is not good. God's keeping something from me. He's not good. He's not going to come through. He's not going to fulfill his promise. Right? What should have happened is Adam and Eve should have stood up and put that serpent in his place and put the serpent out of the garden. But they were convinced. So when you leave this place, walk with God in prayer. See, when you get with God in prayer, and you get with God in corporate prayer, in corporate worship, and privately, then you are convinced of his goodness. You can't help but be convinced of his goodness. And so when the lies come that say, no, God's not good. No, God's going to fail you. No, God's going to let you down. Then you'll know, no, my God can never fail me. You're going to recognize that lie, and you're going to put it down in Jesus' name. Amen? Number two, praise God, not problems. In Isaiah 61, 3, which was the passage that Jesus was quoting, remember when he sat down and he quoted a passage from Isaiah, it says this, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise. Everybody say praise. For the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So the spirit of heaviness. Have you ever had a day where you just felt bluesy for no reason? Have you ever felt that? I have no reason to feel heavy. I have no reason to feel down. I have no reason to feel depressed. That often, I won't say every single time, but that often is a spirit of heaviness. And what it does is it looks for an angle. And it's usually around some kind of event. And it comes in and it lies and says, God's not good and you don't have hope. And that heaviness and blues feeling comes on you. But look at what the Lord says in Isaiah 61, that we exchange the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Here's what we do. When we begin to praise God, our, our thinking aligns with his goodness. The more we praise him, the more our thoughts align with who he really is. And when we do that, that spirit of heaviness is thrown off in Jesus' name. Look, anybody that wants to preach or you want to teach scripture or whatever, just know if you have a sermon or you have some kind of Bible study that you're working on, anything, you will have an opportunity to practice what you preach. And I was practicing this one just yesterday, I think it was. All my days kind of run together when you have three kids. Okay. And so what did I do? I'm like, okay, am I just going to give in to the spirit of heaviness or am I going to praise like I said, Right. Here's the incredible thing. Once you begin to praise, like openly praise and declare who God is, that stuff just breaks off of you. And there's a lightness and a freedom that comes. That's how we fight back the spirit of heaviness and the spirit of depression. Number three, agree with God, not giants. This is our last point. Agree with God, not giants. We're not going to read the, the verse. We'll just read. Um, the only verse we're going to read is verse 33 in just a second. But uh, Moses and the children of Israel were getting ready to head into the promised land. They hadn't been there yet. 
So Moses sends out 12 spies. You remember this story? And 10 of the spies come back with a bad report. And they say, no, we cannot take this land. There's giants in the land. There's land that the Lord wants you to take too. There's territories, maybe not physical territories, but there's areas in your life that Jesus wants you to bring him into. Maybe your workplace, maybe your family, maybe your friends, right? Those are territories for you. Ten of those spies came back and they said, no, 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 we can't. We can't take it. Verse 33, we even saw giants, which by the way, in Hebrew, means demons. It means demon spawns. We even saw giants there and the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Oh, what? I was reading that, and I was like, wait, what? You mean you talked to the enemy? What were you doing conversing with the enemy? And ladies, we converse with the enemy every single day when we believe his lies and we align ourselves to the lies that he's peddling in our lives. We have no business conversing with the enemy, but, but conversing with the Lord. So agree with what God says about you in his word, not what Satan says. Agree with God, not giants. Everybody say that. Agree with God, not giants. If you want to walk free in Jubilee, you have to refuse the lie. Don't you talk to those, those giants in your life. Don't you listen to them. Agree with the Lord. Agree with what the Bible says about you. Amen? And then you can walk in freedom and in jubilee. Can we go ahead and get the worship team? Whoever, whoever of the worship team that wants to come or that is coming out is fine. So at the end of my story... Well, it's not over, <laughs> but the Lord gave me a dream. I had gone through all these things with Evan for years, right? And about a year or so ago, the Lord gave me a dream. And in this dream, I was in a two-story house. And I walked in upstairs in that two-story house, which was representing my house. And there was a big, fat man upstairs. If I remember right, I'm pretty sure he didn't have a shirt on. And this big fat man was trying to intimidate me. And he was coming at me. And he was coming at me. And in the dream, he kept coming. And as he kept coming, I kept doing this. And he kept backing me into the corner. Well, my husband and my kids were in the room with me. And my husband walked over to that big fat man and kicked him in the gut. And he fell over like that. That's my husband's favorite part. When I told him the dream, he said, yeah, I did. This guy was a big, fat man. You can start playing when you're ready, sister. This guy was a big, fat man, and he just fell over like that. And so I'm going downstairs in the stairwell, and in the shadows of the stairwell, there's another man, but I can't see him. I can't put my, I can't see his face. I can't, like, I know he's there, but I, I can't put my finger on him, right? He's just, he's in there, and I can't tell what he looks like or who he is. And so I walk past that man, and I get downstairs. And there's a piano downstairs. And there's a really handsome man playing that piano. He's dressed real nice. He plays the piano beautifully. 
and he's a well-spoken man. As he's speaking, I'm finding myself leaning in to his words. And then all of a sudden, in that dream, I realized who he was. And I said, wait, I know who you are. You're those other two guys' boss. And when I called him out, all of a sudden, all of the power of hell started to come out of this man. All kinds of darkness was pouring out of this man. And there was a temptation to fear. But I said, no, I will not be afraid of you in the dream. I will not back down. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And I wanted to scare, to, to be afraid. But I said, no, I will not be afraid of you. And I took my authority and I took my stand. Well, then I woke up. And the Lord starts to speak to me about this dream. And he said, that big fat man on the top of the stairs, that guy was stress. Stress is an intimidator. Stress wants to tell you that you can't get it done, that you're going to fail. And he tries to intimidate you and back you up into the corner. Do you guys ever battle with that and stress in your life? A lot of the times it has to do with a, a project or something coming up. And he wants to back you into the corner and make you afraid. But stress is weak. He pretends like he's strong, but he's weak. And my husband told me, babe, I pray against stress for you almost every day. Which is why he kicked him in the gut and knocked him over. That guy that's hanging out in the shadows, that guy's anxiety. And anxiety is really elusive. And you have this feeling of being anxious, but you're not sure why. Right? Because he hides in the shadows. And you don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. I don't have any reason to be anxious, but I just feel anxious. That's what anxiety does. So now, when I'm feeling anxiety, when I'm feeling anxious, I jerk him out of that corner and into the light. I pray in Jesus' name. I bind you in the name of Jesus, and I put the light of God on you in Jesus' name. And you can do the same thing, too. When you're feeling anxiety, you can say, I jerk you out of the shadows and into the light of God. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You will not intimidate me. You will not cause me to fear in Jesus' name. And you put the light of God on him. And watch how he flees. That guy at the bottom of the stairs is fear. The spirit of fear is boss over anxiety and over stress. And the spirit of fear is a smooth talker. He wants you to buy into the lie. And he wants you to believe his words and cause you to be afraid. He wants you to believe things like your marriage is not going to work. He wants you to believe things like your kids are not going to serve God. He wants you to believe things like it's not going to go well for you. But you stand up to him don't listen to his words and take authority over him why because jesus is jubilee well hey i hope you enjoyed the message today i hope that it inspired you and that it brought you closer to jesus if it helped you why don't you right now just click the subscribe button so that you can stay up to date on all of our latest podcasts for more resources you could go on over to crystalwart.com and connect with us on social. We want to get to know you. And we are so excited to be on this journey with you as we lean on God's grace to grow together. See you next time.